Welcome to Tucson New Thought. Thank you. Thank you. There are people who know that song that are in the room. I, uh, it's a song by Jamie Lula, who is a, uh, well, for me, he's a luminary in the New Thought music world. And, um, and, and, and I'm grateful that he's a friend of mine and he has, well, I'll just let you in on a little secret. He has, uh, he and I are working out a plan for him to be here in, in, in November. <laughs> so it's a little while away, but we're working on a plan. Um, now, if you do know that song, you will know that there's a whole section of the song that I left out. Um, and there's a reason why I left it out, because it's not that I dislike his music writing, it's not that I dislike the song, it's just that there is a pleading section of this song where it's as though he is pleading to something outside the self. And that has always, I love this song, and it's just that, that part has always kind of tweaked me in an interesting way that didn't quite resonate, and so I chose to leave it out. <laughs> Forgive me, Jamie. But it also brings up this idea that if that is the point where you are, because for me, when we're pleading to something outside the self, that for me is saying there is something into which we can express our hope for something better. And if that's the point where we are at, then allow ourselves to revel in the notion that there is hope because sometimes that's as far as we can go. And hope gets a bad rap in this philosophy a lot of the time because, you know, there are those hoity-toity people who go out there and say, well, you should just know the truth. Well, it's not always easy to know the truth, is it? No. no. So if hope is where you are at, allow yourself to be there. Let yourself off the hook. Let yourself off the hook. Ernest Holmes wrote this. When we become conscious of our oneness with universal good, beliefs in evil, sin, sickness, limitation, and death tend to disappear. Those notions are all limitations in mind. That's it. They all start in mind. You know, in the first celebration, we talked about the science of the science of mind, because that was the random reading that came up. We talked about the science, which this is not a science. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> but it is a science in this particular fashion that, you know, as I talked about in, in the nine o'clock gathering, that as I experience my life, the world is my laboratory to experiment. And as I do the conscious work of deepening, as I do the conscious work of aligning myself, as he says, conscious of my oneness with and as universal good, I get to see the results of that experimentation. And here's what I have found, that I can demonstrate good all the time when I know who I am when I'm in conscious alignment and awareness of my understanding that my identity is divine, that my identity is love, that my identity is God. That's the identity that I think we should all take to heart more and more and more and more. Because any place where we think that we are separate from 
That is the degree to which we have limited the experience of our life. Do you know how magnificent you really are? And don't just give it lip service. <laughs> oh, I do. Yes, I do. But not really. <laughs> when you exclaimed before, I am magnificent, was there a small voice in the back of your head that doubted that in any way? Deepen into your awareness of that small voice because that small voice is there to illuminate for you something in your belief system that can be addressed. And as we address those things, those ideas, those beliefs that we have embodied below the level of awareness that say, I am limited, I am, I, I, I believe in some level, and this is, remember, we root these things below the level of awareness, really important, that to the degree that we believe in evil, that we believe in missing the mark, which is how we refer to sin. If we believe that sickness is a definite thing that should be experienced in our life, if we believe in limitation, if we believe that death is a construct, then we will experience those things. That's what we will experience. It is time for us to move past any limitation in mind, every single limitation in mind. We must let it go. From heartache, have any of you ever experienced heartache? Wow, that was like the last little bit of breath coming out of my lung. That's not how heartache feels. Right? That is, that's like, oh, heartache. Have any of you ever experienced heartache? Have any, have any of you ever been around a religious scientist who's basically seen you experiencing your heartache and they go, well, what's in your thought? What's in your mind? What's going on in your mind? I freaking hate that. I almost said a really <laughs> inappropriate word. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's a little part of me that wants to say, in my real life, I have the mouth of a trucker. <laughs> but this is my real life. <laughs> here's, the, here's, the, here's the grand truth about heartache. This is what I love, because I've experienced heartache in my life. I've experienced very, very serious heartache in my life. Um, heartache allows us to experience revolution. Heartache allows us to experience revolution because when we find that we are in that space of heartache, something new must be born because the nature of the divine is always forward-moving and always evolutionary. It is never devolving. But when we are in that space of heartache, the degree to which we think, oh, I'm devolving into something, into a puddle of goo. <laughs> goo, I don't know. There is revolution within the construct of heartache that can then lead us to resolution for something new in our lives. But it is up to each and every one of us to take charge of that notion, to take charge of the understanding that we are the point of power. Every single one of us is the point of power. And just like that light, thank you for mentioning that, Lori, just like that light, we are illuminated right here and right now and we don't need to be bigger than anything else. We don't need to consider ourselves a dim light. We are the infinite light at the level of our expression of it. As Rumi says, we are not a drop in the ocean. We are the entire ocean in a drop. It's the same with that light. We are not the infinite light. We are the infinity, we are the infinity of light within our own illumination. 
So if you are ready to step into revolution and ultimately resolution for something more magnificent in your life, say yes. Yes. That means we can resolve that which is bad in mind. We can, it, we, 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 it is not the responsibility of anything outside the self. Boy, I'm on a roll today. It is nothing out there that has anything to do with who we choose to be right here in this moment. Our responsibility is to be the good, to express our divine nature. That is our responsibility. We call that being God. There is a shift that is happening in New Thought Centers where there is an explicit statement being made more and more and more that I think for a very long time it was, it was a fear that people had because there was going to be a misunderstanding. But I am here to say we must be able to make this statement and understand it for what it is. The statement is this, I am God. And so are you. You know, I had dinner at William and Anita's on Friday night. Thank you. By the way, my husband and I went to William and Anita's for dinner, and we had this discussion, and William was telling me the story about how, you know, he has discussions, and I have these discussions too, so we, we, have, a similar, uh, we have a similar group of people around us, apparently. Um, <laughs> people who have this notion that there is somehow separation will say, well, how can you believe that you are that which is? And I say, well, let's use logic. Every philosophy that teaches a concept of God teaches that God is infinite. Right? Yeah. Right? God is everywhere. And in fact, we talked about the Baltimore Catechism. Where is God? God is everywhere. God is everywhere. I, I talk about the Baltimore Catechism like I was Catholic. I did not grow up Catholic. <laughs> but I know about it. So anyway... <laughs> God is everywhere. God is infinite. There is no place where God is not. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. So why would we separate ourselves from that notion? Because if we say that we are somehow separate from, then what we are saying is not only are we finite, but then God is finite as well. There is no separation. God is not a being. God is the energy of beingness. So we must reframe our understanding of God to not think of it as that white bearded man on the cloud, because that's not the truth. God is the white bearded man who is sitting on the subway next to you. I used to live in New York. <laughs> I'm like, subway, like that just rolls off my tongue. In New York, Toronto, and I did actually take the subway in LA, which used to always freak me out because I thought, gosh, if there's an earthquake when I'm on the subway, that's the, the last place I want to be is underground. Anyway, God cannot be owned. That's another thing I want to make very clear. God cannot be owned. And you know what? A lot of philosophies, a lot of faith traditions, they claim to own the concept of God, that their God is right, right? Well, you ready for this? God cannot be owned, not even by us. What if we're wrong? What if we're wrong? going to be a quite an eye-opening experience when I go up to heaven and I'm standing before St. Peter at the pearly gates. <laughs> you mean I got it wrong? Or maybe I don't even get up there. <laughs> you mean I got it wrong all this time? God cannot be owned by any religious ideology. It just can't. God is. That's really the truth. 
So I was at the, uh, so, so it's so funny, you mentioned being gay. Yes, I am gay. Sorry to ask. I did talk about my husband, yeah. So I was in, so the, I lived in Toronto for uh, about six years. And the LGBTQA plus celebration, the pride celebration, they just call it pride. They don't give it any of the letters. It's just pride. First of all, it lasts an entire month. Kind of the city almost shuts down in Toronto. It is a massive celebration. But there is a week where they shut down uh, Queen's, no, not Queen Street, they shut down um, Church Street, yeah, right at well, right in the Wellesley area, and they have a street fair, and there's stages and bands and everything. Everybody goes in such a good time. We're all partying, you know, and we're dancing even more so than I was dancing in the first song today. And we just dance and we have a good time and everything. And the Center for Spiritual Living Toronto, where I used to serve as the spiritual director, for the first couple of years I was there, we would go out and we would get our booth in the street fair, and we would talk to people because you know we want to bring everyone into the fold. <sighs> And the, for a couple of years, we had this sign that uh, it's, it, the concept of this sign has actually made its way around a lot of different centers and a lot of different, uh, in, a, in a lot of different ways. And I see it as a meme now, you know, that gets passed around social media. But the sign essentially said, it was headlined this, the top 10 reasons the Center for Spiritual Living Toronto is for you. And I could very, very easily substitute and say, the top 10 reasons Tucson New Thought is for you. And there were, we had a whole top 10 list. One of them was, you're spiritual but not religious, right? So many people identify like that. And we claim to be spiritual but not religious, even though we come to church on Sunday. <laughs> Another one of them was, you dig Buddha, Jesus, Yogananda, and Lady Gaga. <laughs> Another one of the top 10 reasons, you honor all paths. Another reason, this is one of my favorites, your therapist told you you should find some place to go. <laughs> hey, my therapist once told me I should find some place to go. And it was very interesting. People would come up and they would, you know, they would keep their distance a little bit, but they would see the sign and they would read that sign. <laughs> and they would inevitably come up because there was also a big sign that had a picture of me. It said, Reverend Jonathan Zen, spiritual director. So it was very clear who I was in that booth. And they would come up to me and say, so here's the deal though. I'm a Christian. You're like, well, how is that, how is that, how is that an issue? One of my favorites, though, was somebody who actually came up and said, I go to a Christian church, but I'm Jewish. <laughs> I'm like, okay. That was one of my favorites. Here's what I love. Was this opportunity to say, every time you use the word but, you have now created a limitation in your life. You've negated anything that precedes the statement you make when you say, but. I really love this. It's really a beautiful concept and really lovely ideology, but I'm a Christian. See, and they're basically saying, this resonates with me, and I can't accept it. And this speaks to the belief 
It speaks to the belief. 29 years ago, wow, almost 29 years ago, 29 years ago this summer, um, I celebrated my first, I went to my first pride event at Hippie Hill. <laughs> Anyone who's from Tucson is like, oh yeah. In Himmel Park, that's where it used to be. Now they do it over in Reed Park. And, and it used to be in the middle of summer and I'm so grateful that they've changed it to the fall because boy, I'll tell you, the middle of summer in Tucson when you're outdoors having a celebration, it is a bit much. So I was, we were at Hippie Hill and there were so many people there. In fact, you know, Toronto blew my mind because it was so akin to the hundreds of people that would show up in Tucson not the tens of thousands of people that would show up to the events in Toronto. And you know, when I left Tucson and I, would, I went to New York and I would participate in the pride celebrations there and it was so much fun and something changed within me after I left New York. I created a but in my life. It was basically this notion, I'm gay, but I don't really resonate with that community. And so when I moved to LA after I left New York, I'd never once went to LA Pride. I did not involve myself in the community there. I was very rooted in the theatrical community because that was my passion. Um, I wanted to reject essentially an aspect of me. And I only bring this up because it's sort of the same thing that the people who say, I love what you've written there, but I'm a Christian. It's the same thing a rejection of an aspect of truth that is at the core of each and every one of us. You don't have to be gay to come out. In fact, one of the most powerful coming outs I've ever had in my life was to come out as a spiritual person. Because that freaks people out, especially in the gay community. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. You know, I sing with Reveille, the men's chorus here, and, and there are people who there are people who are suspect of me because I'm a minister in that room that I experience every single week. And it's just a reminder that we all have our stuff and the degree to which I am experiencing it, it is a reflection of what is happening in my mind and the degree to which I live in the buts in my own life. And as I have deepened into my acceptance of myself more and more and more, I recognize that all of the colors of my life are the things that make me. Every aspect of my beingness, every aspect, whether I call it good or call it bad, it's all what makes me. So what makes you? What makes you? I loved this, well, it's hard to see in this light. I loved this image, if, you, uh, if you're on Facebook or you get our emails, this image is a lot more beautiful. Um, I, I decided to talk today and call my message the full spectrum with that notion in mind, that we are each and every one of us living our own experience of being the full spectrum. And any place, any aspect of that where we dim ourselves, we are not emitting pure light any longer. And so our work is to emit the pure light, free of condemnation, free of discrimination, free of any notion of less than in our lives. So those aspects of my beingness that I rejected for so long are all part of that infinite spectrum that makes up the truth of me. What makes you? 
this is rhetorical, what makes you? What are the things in your life that make up you? And start to look at the things that you have perhaps rejected about yourself and deepen into this understanding of why you may have rejected them and what you can do now to perhaps accept them, know that they are the truth of you, whether you call them good or bad, but know that you are in charge of how they express in your experience. I think it is time to honor all the things that got us here. Because here's the deal, you can never get rid of your story. So many people try, they try to get rid of the story. You can release the hold that the story has on you, but you will always be the culmination of your story, everything that got you to this point. That will never cease to be. The past is in the past, but if you drag that story into your present, you will continue to create the circumstances of that story. So you get to decide, you get to decide. I think it is time we honor the things that got us here. Because here's the thing, if you want to reject any negative aspect about the things that got you here, then you must be willing to reject the positive things that got you here as well. Because you're basically saying, I reject it all. If I reject any part of it, you must reject it all. So let's stop rejecting. Let's start accepting and know who we are in this moment moving forward. Let go of the hold the past has on you and know who you can be now and now and now. Del Shores is a playwright in, he, he lives in Los Angeles, and uh, he's got some screens, he's got some movies that have been made. A lot of his work is rooted in his upbringing in Texas, in the Baptist church, and he is a gay man, so you can imagine what that might have been like for him. Um, he wrote this really beautiful line that really is the spark of inspiration for me today. He wrote this, he said, could it be that this life, this existence, is like a beautiful stained glass window. And our beliefs, their beliefs, everybody's beliefs, our makeup, our skin color, our sexual orientation is right. And that God is the light that shines through that stained glass window and all the color, all the beauty is created because of our differences. Imagine if we really live that notion. Imagine what this world can be. I say it all the time. I don't know that it's really heard. I say it all the time. We are unique. We don't need to be like anybody else, but we have a, we have a society that say, you must be like everybody else. We don't need to be like anybody else, be you. Be the most magnificent you you can be. You are part of this full spectrum, and without you, it is not pure in its expression of light. So while we have a full spectrum ideology that is existing within each and every one of us, that is true for the universal wholeness as well. And the degree to which you dim your own light is the degree to which the universal wholeness cannot experience itself as whole any longer. We must step into being the wholeness. 
To believe that we need to be like anybody else and dim our light for any purpose is the path to misery and discontent, let me tell you, because I've done it. I've done it. It sucks. Now, if you might be sitting here thinking, but I know all of this, and I live this, that is absolutely magnificent. That is wonderful. But begin to have the wherewithal to look at the places where, although you state that you live it, where it might be missed a little bit. One more reference today with one of my favorite movies. I was obsessed with this movie when I was 16 years old, Dead Poets Society. And there's a scene where the character Robin Williams, he plays the teacher, he gets all the students out into the courtyard and he says, start walking around. And, you know, they start walking in a circle and then they're all like start marching in time. And he hasn't gotten all the students out there, but they're all, you know, those who are in the circle are all going around marching in time. And the students who are standing on the sidelines, they're watching that and eventually they start clapping in time. And the whole point of this is to say, he said to them, essentially this, I don't have the exact dialogue written down, but it was essentially this. What is it that led you to be marching in time with each other? What is that thing that made you not express uniquely? And he said, and if any of you who are standing on the sidelines think, well, I would have done it differently, then you have to ask yourself why you were clapping. It is very easy to fall into those habits. It is very easy to fall into the consciousness of the collective. It is very easy. It is not as easy to constantly step forth and say, I am the light, and I stand for what I choose to stand for, and I am going to express exactly how I decide to be, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. That's hard. It takes guts but it is our birthright to express our uniqueness. Ernest, Health, or Ernest Holmes, I'm gonna go back to that first quote, free yourself forever from the thought that God may be pleased by a life of sacrifice, that the world is any better because of your misery. Each of us is a unique facet of the creative source. Our lives are a full spectrum of experience, hmm, experience that, 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 that makes us magnificent. Who we choose to be, the way we choose to live in these experiences, oh, we are made more whole because of the choice. The oneness is the pure light. The colors that make up that, the, uh, that, make up that light are each and every one of us. The, it is our individualized expressions that make up the pure light. Without you, pure light could not exist. So go out and be more resolute in the way you choose to be in this world. Express yourself uniquely, magnificently as you more and more and more. Stand resolved with me today to be proud that you are part of the universal spectrum. And so it is. Hello, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of My Sunday Message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, www.tucsonnewthought.org. Once again, thank you for listening.
You are magnificent. Namaste.